millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the NXT preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to tonight's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT but also Raw, SmackDown, AW, Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to preview NXT. And a lot to look forward to tonight, Michael Hamlet. Yeah, it's a big looking show. Um, so far, NXT has done better with the episodes that don't feel quite as important and quite as seismic. It does better at over-delivering on low expectations than it does deliver on high ones. Um, and there are some high expectations, I would say, going into this show tonight. Um, you wonder yet if they've kind of built up enough, I know, dirty WWE word, but if they've built up enough momentum over the last few weeks to make sure that some of these matches and some of the presentations of some of these characters hit in a way. I hope they do. A um, couple of things, really, really hyped for, genuinely looking forward to talking about them in a preview. And it feels finally like NXT has pulled itself away from having absolutely nothing in advance up until 10 minutes before showtime. Yes. It's nice yet again to have a, a show to talk about. It'd be just nice if one of these bigger, beefier episodes could live up to the expectations. I've probably told this story before, but my um, dear grandmother, years after her passing, bless her, and she was still around. Um, it was Christmas dinner once. I was about eight or nine years old. and I love this even, story, by the way. Even I sensed this was like an absolute massive, massively mother-in-law thing to say. So I sat down, Christmas dinner. My mother made a bloody great one. And um, bless her, Isabel, the grandma, just looked across the table and went, Lillian, if you can do nothing else, you can make a lovely Christmas dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so she be cheating, my mom. Is she being cheeky to my mom? And here's the thing about NXT in 2021. If nothing else... They can advertise some matches in advance. <laughs> Less facetiously, they've done a much better job of building 
sequencing the cards, maximizing the roster, plotting them on paths for the most part that feel like they're not these crazed reactionary moves. It is not to belabor the point. Much better than it was at the start of this year and the end of last. My issue with this show is that it's all built on a title match with an outcome that's in zero doubt whatsoever, which I guess, gather, would taint your anticipation of it. Were you into the dynamic, into your NXT champion? I happen to not be. I'm done with Karrion Cross. I think he's actively bad as a performer. I think he's woefully miscast in this role as hard nut babyface adjacent dude. I just can't see through the smoke and mirrors, which itself are really gratuitously embarrassing in my opinion. And there just isn't a good enough worker underneath. I just look at that hidden blade and think it's just a chop to the back. I look at those elbows to the back and I point them out every time because they look awful every time. There's something that is meant to create this ungodly sense of peril and danger. Never, ever get it. Basically, Finn Balor has got a job on his hands. He just about carried him to a fairly, what I would describe as a worthy takeover effort. And that didn't disgrace the stage like his Keith Lee match did. It got the job done of putting him over and not making Bala look like the guy who just was going to do the job. Like, I think they had the best possible match they could have with Karrion Cross on that roster, and it still wasn't anywhere near blow away great. Mm. Title ramifications. We all have our own theories on how it's going to go, and one guy clearly in a different league to the other. But before we get to the million-dollar face-off, what do you think about the NXT Championship match, Michael Hapflett? Uh, much the same as Sidgwick, really. I uh, I don't even think I'd be quite as kind to the um, takeover match. If anything, um, if you consider how there's just conversation and discourse on just about everything that happens in wrestling now, you'll find it in some corner of, tw- corner of Twitter somewhere um, or Reddit or whatever. There was virtually none on Finn Balor and Karrion Cross, either during or after. Nobody had any sort of enduring memories of it, really, other than those that desperately wanted to see Karrion Cross crowned as champion again because he had it taken off him through injury. You know, like nothing about the match stuck around from a, you know, a two-night takeover, especially. Um, you would have anticipated the NXT title match having, like, lots of buzz. And it had virtually none. Um, that lack of buzz has kind of carried across to Karrion Cross's promos so far. He doesn't feel... Like I agree with Cedric. I didn't think the Keith Lee match was very good, but there was such a buzz around that gimmick that had he not gone injured, I imagine they would have got away with that for quite a while with him as world champion on NXT. And people were really buying into the gimmick at the time. I don't think they are now. Um, it showed itself up for me in the otherwise impeccably produced but utterly pointless prime target last week, mm. where they used the best editors and the best footage, you know, and the best devices in the world to say nothing, say absolutely nothing. Too close to call. It's not. It's absolutely not. It's probably the most open and shut match we're going to call on any episode of NXT this year. Um, that felt too condescending for you to just appreciate the quality of it. And I think the in-ring of this might go the same way. Too condescending to make you appreciate the quality. I think you're going to look at, unless they have some massive shock up the sleeve because Karen Cross is going to the main roster and we've just been wrong-footed by that and not seen this coming. Um, the whole point of this 
is for Finn Balor to disguise Karrion Cross's shortcomings in an even less, uh, sorry, in an even more predictable match than the first one. A job on his hands is right. Um, I guess Gargano might fancy coming out the end for that traditional NXT from the ramp face-off, challenging him at a distance for in your house because he's too scared to get close to him, perhaps. You know, I'm not, I'm not terribly sold on that yet because I'm just not sold on Cross. Yeah, there's a lot to like about this card. The main event is not terribly one of those things, I don't think. Since final word on this, it's mad to think that that even if Finn Balor comes out in full demon getup, which I don't think he will, but if he did, I'd still think I still think Karen Cross has got the edge on this one. Yeah, I just feel like the result isn't in any doubt whatsoever. It's kind of a freebie. And I just, two things before we move on. One, they could just borrow the layout from Lesnar Bala at the Rumble that time. Mm. Get him in the gut. The idea being that Karrion Cross is a force of nature who just does not have a tank um, because he's not in the same condition as Finn Balor is. Finn Balor's in much better condition as an athlete because he has to be because he doesn't have the same size advantage. Work the match around winding Karrion Cross. Obviously, he's never had diverticulitis, but he's a guy who just doesn't have a tank compared to Balor. I would work around that because in the prime target, if it was to mean anything, um, Karen Cross was like, felt that one for days. Oh, my bloody back's gone. Felt <laughs> that one for days, talked about the coup de gras. Right, okay. I remember that because I'm not a goldfish. So thread the match around that. Maybe mm-hmm. create some drama. I still I just can't imagine myself unless it's Finn Balor's greatest ever individual performance, right? Unless it's that. I just can't imagine myself ever feeling like I'm really into the match, much less like in suspense over the outcome. Second and last thing, this can't work anymore. I called it a freebie, but it isn't even that anymore. What it is, is presumably Finn Balor's right off. You can't really do anything after this. He's probably going to go back to the main roster. In the old world, NXT used to book matches like this, where you knew the result, you knew where the loser was going, but it was like kind of a euphoric send-off, right? Where you get one last banger match. Bala himself had it against Shinsuke Nakamura, right? It was a loving attraction in which people knew what was happening, but they were happy to see it at the same time, right? Off your tot to the main roster. Hopefully you'll win a title or don't get demolished by Vince McMahon one way or the other, and we will usher in a new era of NXT. The problem is that any advantage that that old freebie used to have is completely gone. We know that Finn Balor's been killed on the main roster before. This character stands a much better chance. In fact, I'd be half into this character versus Roman Reigns on SmackDown ahead of SummerSlam. I think that could be actively very, very good. But there's no faint optimism that one of your favourites is going to go on to star on the main roster because so many years of precedent suggesting otherwise. The new era, it's usually like one indie darling puts over the the next indie darling and you get another era of in-ring euphoria. You're replacing a guy who's great in the ring with a guy who just hasn't brought it to NXT if he's even capable. And all of that used to excuse the fact that you knew what the finish was going to be. We know what the finish is going to be and none of the attendant 
joy of this sort of old school NXT thing is there anymore. Mm. Um, look, if nothing else, if you're looking at it strategically from a booker's point of view, it's a pretty savvy thing to do because you're putting your guy all the way over mm. with the idea being that there's a guy who's going to go over at the expense of, you don't have to do anything with on that brand anymore. Like kill him, stretch a job, do whatever you want. <laughs> He's going to appear on Raw and SmackDown and in this weird no continuity between the brands he's going to appear do probably a great promo and it'll be fine so stretch him do what you can i still don't think you can get carrying cross any more over than he is and how over he is now i would say not remotely mm, intriguing to see how they let like this one play out because like you say i think we all know the results barring any massive shocks uh but one thing we are looking forward to tonight michael hamper is the in-ring debut of frankie monet they've, they've pitched her perfectly so far haven't they Absolutely, yeah. Um, real old school heel debut quality to this. That being, you just because you're not a nice person, you're the straw that stirs the drink. That's all you are. Like you have come here to be difficult for everybody because that's the type of person that you are. Um, I love that they've not given her a clear and obvious direction yet because it kind of allows you to imagine all the going right back to it was the Eo Shirai, wasn't it? her reflecting on her title run, just being like crudely interrupted by this new woman and her pet dog that has decided to walk up into the shop. And it's just gone on from there ever since. Um, she also knows in kayfabe that she has the backing of the brand because they've made a big deal to promote her debut. You know, she's been given like a red carpet, so that will only inform her arrogance. Um, I don't want them to overcomplicate it here. I would very much like a strong squash win that, you know, away from this gimmick, we know that Frankie Monet has in her. That's the kind of wrestler she can be early doors. Um, I would take... Uh, my gut is, my gut feeling says they're going to set this up tonight, actually, after a first win, but I would quite like two or three of these squashes to just sneak the big marquee match onto In Your House. Um, I think we've got two or three uh, NXTs left before then. So, yeah, I have a feeling that she's actually going to get challenged tonight after a one win. Um but yeah, they've done a really, really superb job of, uh, of hyping her up. I want to see how she uses the new character that she's got with the type of work she did in Impact, where she was you know, a celebrated champion. Um, and they care. And it's nice, again, to feel it isn't panicked, attempted rated grabbing stuff. It's just commitment to a gimmick. When they're committed to a character and when they're committed to a gimmick and the worker can pull all that stuff off, it tends to go really well. I've got high hopes for this. I've got high hopes for this. I can tell from the booking and her profile on this program that they've invested a lot in her and they've created like this quite elegant patchwork of things that she can do. I just hope they don't go full NXT. I doubt they will. I think they've got just enough left in the tank to not be full parody about it. I don't want to see anything close to 50-50. I don't even want to see yet a good match. Like you can have the good match whenever you goddamn like. This has to establish a character. I want to see more stuff between the moves than moves themselves. Mm -hmm. I want to see a vicious side of her as she decides to act too arrogantly and too aloof. And then she gets a face slapped and then we can actually see, oh, Christ, there's a wrestler you shouldn't actually mess with here because the character's good, but WWE, less so NXT, but WWE has a tendency to... I don't know, stick about too much with character work and silliness. 
I would like to see a layered performance and a short one that puts across the message of she's a good character, she's going to be great at getting heat, she can really wear being a dickhead well, but try and slap her for being a dickhead and she will prove that she's not just an annoying dickhead, like she can get it done as well. I want to see some showboating, some condescension, the briefest of babyface fire-up spots, and then, no, don't do that. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm not just all talk, like, I'll kill you as well. Um, all within five minutes maximum, and that's the way to do a debut. She uh, shouldn't be getting like knocked off her feet, should she? I don't even need to see that amount of selling from a Frankie Monet. Definitely not yet. Because yeah. it'll be, f- hopefully, if she gets over as a heel, it'll be cathartic when someone knocks her on her ass. Mm. So you don't want to do content for the sake of it here. You want to really strip it back. I, I, I completely agree with what you're both saying there. I think it has to be a really straightforward job of squash. And, and Sid, what you said there about the things between the moves is so spot on. That's what I want to see from her. And it's, she's been exuding it the moment she arrived in NXT. And uh, yeah, as Hamlet said, like build her up to a pay-per-view, you know, not against sort of a huge name, but a name nonetheless. And maybe in the interim, I know it sort of muddies the water because technically I suppose she's a heel where you can have Robert Stone go up to a backstage and try and recruit her and Presley bites his hand off and then you just feed her a Leah in the interim between, not this week, but in the interim between now and, and the takeover. But yeah, so excited to see her uh, execute what she's been able to do elsewhere, Hamlet. One thing, I need to see a hugely elaborate entrance. Why mm. not? Spend all the money you've got. Go all in. It's so like the CWC... Anytime it gets even remotely like a splash of color, like the whole show is better for it. We say it about MSK, like they're just, it's as if the roof opens up for a second. You want to be feeling that way for her as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, last week's main event, of course, saw Bronson Reed become the NXT North American champion. Advertised for tonight, I believe, is some sort of address. We're assuming he's moving on. Uh, from Johnny Gargano, as Gargano may well move on to, to carrying cross in our booking. But Siege, what's next for, for Bronson Reed? And who would you like to see him work with next? Mm. I'm worried I'm going to be terribly bored by this. There's always the possibility that we'll go back to Austin Theory. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it's for one week, just to completely sever 
his association with the way and just beat emphatically Austin Theory one week, maybe you can get away with that. Another concern, it's not that much of a concern, because I thought he'd been all right after his uh, profoundly deluded opening promo. LA Knight and Bronson Reed, LA yeah. Knight's appeared off the face of the earth. They've kind of got unfinished business. Maybe the idea is they were waiting to get this title switch executed, and then LA Knight can be his first opponent. That's not what you probably expected from your North American title scene when it was in the first year, two years of its lifespan. But ultimately, LA Knight is weirdly, this is typically NXT. He's kind of showing me more on the ring than he has on the microphone. <laughs> it's not like you're not there for that. But, you know, if you can do things like that. But didn't they have a match that was a total snoozer? Yes. They did. Um, they interacted in the gauntlet, I think, which was far more entertaining. Yeah, they've done the Way gauntlet back. stuff was better than the singles match, which it's one of those things that I'm almost certain that it happened. But if it didn't happen, it would be very NXT. I think it was Bronson Reed who beat him, and everyone was like, "Why oh, is he dropping out so soon?" Didn't yeah? <laughs> didn't he have that interaction in the week prior where Bronson Reed like put his jacket on or something? Yes, and then they paid that off with this. Oh, why? Why they've dropped out LA Knight? So there's potential afters stemming from all that. Um, he could be an opponent. Again, you've got another monster. They're all monsters, these singles title holders, which is basically Papa H saying, yeah, these indie guys, I shouldn't have shook their hands. Should not have shook their hands. <laughs> the giants is the land of the giants after all. Pushing three of them at once, you are running a risk of predictable booking because you can't end a monster's reign straight away. You are minimizing the potential peaks of match quality across these takeover shows, which is your big selling point. Now that I come to think of it, it's probably not a great idea to have those three particularly being singles champions, but it is what it is. Yeah, I can't imagine being thrilled by whatever Bronson Reed does next, given what has come before and might get folded back in. Yeah, I already had my concerns before he'd won the belt about their thirst for humanising Bronson Reed alongside the push. Very, very WWE. Humanise your monsters if they're baby faces. Um, either you make them dancing fools or you make them like friendly oafs. And they seem to go down the latter column for Bronson Reed. It was all this guy that just destroys people, that uses his body in ways that he shouldn't. It was all suddenly, it, I know that everyone's like a human being and has got families, but it was suddenly all about like how his wife was there in attendance and his family was watching at home. And it's like, oh yeah, this is what WWE does when it puts belts on baby faces. It's always a nightmare. Like the baby faces always have to struggle to come back from it. And then seeing this, like if this was Raw or SmackDown, especially SmackDown, it'd be like a Bronson Reed championship celebration ceremony or something like that to be interrupted by generic heel. So I kind of, I just kind of look past that. Ellie Knight was exactly the guy I had as well. Mm. Um, it's nowhere near as elegant as it might seem, but NXT does sort of have these wrestlers bump into one another one sometimes as ways to set up first and fairly easy challenges for champions. They'll look at a situation where they've interacted, even if it's just briefly or in a, in a match that looked like it meant nothing a few weeks ago. It's just left one of the wrestlers with a bit of a bad taste in the mouth and said, well, I, I want you again now that you've got a belt. They do do that quite often. So it was it's LA night for me. Um, 
but it's not the most thrilling start. And I've just got my reservations about this being the direction to take with Bronson Reed. Don't normalise what it is that's made him like, that's just about kept him from drowning in the 50-50 to begin with. Uh, in terms of matches advertised for tonight, Hamflirt, we've got Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai versus Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon, two uh, former women's tag team champions, of course. Matt to be saying that already. Uh, but you sense this is a way to, to re-establish the next challenges for the way, perhaps? And uh, more of a division with Gonzalez and Kai as well. Yeah, this is far better now than it was then for the belts. <laughs> uh, when they were introduced and then immediately hot-shotted. Um Dakota Kai and Raka Gonzalez continue to be just really interesting. Like it's a story you want to watch unfold. It's it is unfolding. Um, so that that's just that's like nice television to get to see them do that stuff. Blackheart and Ember Moon are completely finished as like title match con- like contenders for the time being. They've had a go with the belts. Um, I don't think necessarily you even need to keep them together much. It felt like they were together by necessity because the division just lacked numbers. Um, so I'd quite like them to lose here. Um, obviously, nobody needs any more of Shotty Blackheart and Candice LeRae for the next year or so. Um, but yeah, I don't think we particularly need them two together. Um, if anything, if you're looking for a babyface for Frankie Monet to defeat in your house, you could probably do worse than Shotty Blackheart or Ember Moon. Yeah. Um, and Rachel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai as tag team champions just does what we keep saying they're going to do, doesn't it? It keeps inviting the very welcome Sean and Diesel comparisons. They won the tag belts. You could you could believe them winning them as a way to fold it into their split. Um, I like them very much in the tag title picture, and it's going to be nice to see them wrestle as well and hopefully bump Shotzi and Ember out of this scene for a while. It's almost like they shouldn't have created NXT-specific tag team titles. Isn't it? <laughs> At the time, I was halfway high on the idea purely because of the wealth of talent that couldn't really, through practical reasons, like get into the singles title picture. So I figured it's a decent um, storyline driver. Not an accomplishment, it's a storyline driver. I thought it was a decent one, given how much women, quite rightly and very well, appear on the show. It hasn't really happened. They haven't really been forming many, if any, tag teams in the background here. We've just seen looped stuff. And this, for me, is just more looped stuff that I can't really be asked with, to tell you the truth. Um if anything, I want to see more tag teams and not less, fewer tag teams. But at the same time, why? I just don't, I have to echo the point. Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart are like, they do not complement each other well at all. Like they bring out the respective geeks in one another with their particular brand of like dorky chemistry. And I think the further they get apart, the better it'll do for their individual singles careers. So for that reason and that reason only, I would like to see them lose and then amicably go their separate ways because I still think that they can't really be playing heels. There's enough women miscast historically on this brand in the last however many years as heels to see them go the same route with Ember or Shotzi, but Shotzi isn't a heel, Ember isn't a heel. No. Not really, and they're boring as a tag team, overexposed as a tag team. An amicable parting of the ways following a loss here. I don't need to see a feud between them. Um, yeah, it's basically every direction that I'm spinning in my head now is boring. The match itself won't be, I don't think. Um, but I, they were brought together in the first place as a result of war games, 
Mm. And now that's long gone, long dead. Just amicable parting of the ways after a three and a quarter star match. Yeah, I think I'm, I think it's be a good match tonight. Obviously, uh, with the names involved in it, but I've got to agree with both of you there. Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, get the victory again. Slight, slight teasers of of issues between them, but very, very subtle. And then, yeah, afterwards, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon shake hands, and Ember Moon turns to her and says, in the words of Finn Balor, "Thanks for the memories." Bobby Fish versus <laughs> Bobby Fish versus Pete Dossage. Please take this. It'll be a. I don't know how much has Bobby Fish got left. Like awesome in Red Dragon, awesome in the early days of the Undisputed Era. Those injuries kept piling up, and now he feels like. He's lost several steps. He doesn't have that explosive quality that his style sort of demands. And I don't think he's got enough gravitas as a performer. He might have the range, but it certainly won't feel like, you know, the best performers are like even better when they're more battered, like a Tanahashi or a Shawn Michaels, even though I prefer Shawn Michaels, but in the 90s. But the received wisdom is that they get sharper psychologically and manipulating crowds and telling more nuanced stories. I just feel like Bobby Fish can't do that, at least in NXT. Um, I'm thinking Michael Hamflit made a beautiful comparison, a beautiful little way of describing it when he talked about how Champa Walter was like, oh, Christ, that match graphic slipped behind the couch in 2018. Someone's found it. We're getting it in 2021. I love that. This feels like that, except... Oh, Chapman Volta could still have a great match. I'm not convinced about this at all. Feels like, I will say this, if I was really invested and if I really thought this was going to be great, absolutely Bobby Fish almost couldn't be more perfect to finally like substantiate this Pete Dunne push, which feels like I've been pulled about it so often. It's like, well, where is it? I don't know where it is. You're telling us that it's here, but where? It's like a magic eye picture. Pete Dunne's my thought process when I saw this pamphlet was I saw the graphic and it's like, you know, the grudge, that's the history with, with these two. A nice little story there. But the fact that only Lorcan's peeking over Pete Dunne's shoulder, I was like, that feels an inevitable lead-in for maybe a save by a cool Kyle rally. Yeah, that's it. They're, they're doing sort of two things with Pete Dunne here because he's obviously got his, you know, singles direction. I totally agree with Cedric. Like, I, like one minute you're supposed to receive him as this big deal, then he gets beat again. So it's like, right, okay, we'll take three weeks to reset him. And then, oh no, it's Pete Dunn. Um, so I think they're kind of like, they're trying to have the cake and eat it with him and they can't. But aside from that singles program, yes, that's exactly what I saw. Um, they're going to keep that singles program on ice because next week, I would say as early as next week, mm. you can do the tag match. Um, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish having now what the commentators are probably refer to as an uneasy alliance or something um, instead of, you know, the fact that they were best friends that were never pulled apart by the Undisputed Era. They've just both acknowledged that they're kind of going their own way now. It's a case of, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to let you get beaten up by the bad guys, so I'll save you and we'll team for that reason. And I guess there's intrigue there. Like, I'm not going to be, like, totally callous to that. I think, like, I think seeing Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish team up outside of the auspices of the Undisputed Era is interesting once. Um, because it makes you feel like there'll be it'll be a storyline driver. It'll give you an idea of Kyle O'Reilly's immediate direction. 
So I think that's where this is going. It all does feel like, a, however this match goes, we'll probably get a finish. Probably Pete Dunn wins, um, but it'll feed into Oni Lorcan leading a beat down with Pete Dunn. And yeah, Kyle O'Reilly making a save for the, the easy William Regal tag match for next week. And then the tag match is probably more interesting to talk about than this singles iteration. Can I make a dreaded AEW NXT comparison, please? Uh-oh. Yeah, I can't take Pete Dunne seriously, right? And yet, he's basically said the exact same things Miro's been saying on the other channel. If you're a champion, Miro basically said the very second that he started to realise, hang on, Kip Sabian's dead weight, don't need him anymore. He was saying this on Dark, like before um, Arcade Anarchy. Miro was saying, if you're a champion, you are in trouble. Right. What does he do after some deft? Imagine saying that in the NXT podcast. <laughs> Booking, he decides, Christ Almighty, I've been dicking around here no longer. I'm sick of being around people who don't take any of this seriously. I'm just going to be Miro. And he kills Darby Allen. He actually wins a title. Pete Dunn is saying the exact same thing almost. I just don't care which title I'll take any. Kushida beat him. Carrion Cross. Don't care. I just want a championship. When are you going to do it? What are you saying? And this match needs to go his way emphatically to, to begin to take any of this rhetoric seriously because it's pissing me off at this point. I think you're spot on. Yeah, I completely agree, Sige. Uh When he came out and said, oh, well, beat anyone. I've beat this guy. I was like, no, you haven't. Lost to him. Lost to him. You just backdoors your way into a title match as a result of no one else being around, I suppose. But I would like to see him, yeah, substantiate those claims because you know we know what he can do, and we've seen that in some in some great matches. But uh, yeah, I think Bobby Fish might be a a sacrificial fish <laughs> in amongst all this. <laughs> Sacrifish. This was in the word. Sacrificial fish. Sacrificial fish. Uh, Wilborn, you need to log off. <laughs> Not before we have spoken about the real highlight from tonight, and that is the million-dollar face-off. And, boys, uh, Andy Murray said this himself. He knows NXT listens to these podcasts, and we've been willing the million-dollar championship into reality for quite some time now. Is tonight the night, Michael Hamflet? Um, Yeah, possibly. Uh, it's co- It's coming. I think it is coming, if not tonight. Why I say possibly is because I think there's a little bit of, I say pressure, there's not enough of an audience to make real pressure, but, you know, pressure from people that watch a show every week for this to be good. Um, they, up. they weren't running the gag into the ground, but it was getting weaker by the week. Um, so this one needs to hit. I think this, uh, this, this interaction between the two, I really loved the idea that DiBiase wants in his own way to be a mentor to like, Grimes as a rich person rather than just enjoying taking the piss out of him. There, there seemed to be a, a slight tease of that when he wound down the window last week. Um, the million dollar belt is an avenue to that. Like DBS is going to teach him how to be rich. It's not just about living the life that Cameron Grimes has lived in the To The Moon video. It's about living it forever, which is what DBS has done in KFAB. So I'd, like, I think I would prefer that. And if it's going to come in the form of Making him the million dollar champion, like why not? Like it's a it's a version of nostalgia that people enjoy. I go down the route of bringing back Virgil or a version of Cameron Grimes' a million dollar corporation with Everise. We've done all that, but it does feel like the belt is the the obvious next step in the story. 
I've done it now. I've worked out what it's going to be. Oh. Not only are we going to get a firm storyline direction, not only are we going to get a reason why these two characters are being drawn together, and all of it's going to inform what everybody wants at the stage, and it's Cameron Grimes' face turn. They're going to do Pygmalion, My Fair Lady, <laughs> with Ted DiBiase and Cameron Grimes, where Ted DiBiase is going to quite rightly point out, you know, you've got money, but you're still white trash. You've still got that horrible accent. And that'll be another lovely parallel between DiBiase and McMahon. It's a nice little in-joke. They love their in-jokes with in your house and stuff. Give me the in-joke of your Southern. You can't be rich and good and Southern. Boorish. It's going to teach Cameron Grimes how to talk in like a more proper American brogue. He is going to take the hat off him and put like um, a dumb and, dumb and dumber hat where like what rich people think good hats are. He's going to shave his beard. He's going to strip away any element of him being a hick. This is going to go on. They're going to decide this tonight. Ted DiBiase is like, look, I've only been bugging you, pestering you because I see potential in you. Let me be your mentor and I'll show you how really to live the high life. Shake hands. My fair lady. Cameron Grimes doing like a mock posh British accent. Like there's mileage in this for days. All the while, Ted DiBiase is going to neg him and be a bit of a dick. They're going to get some sympathy on the part of Cameron Grimes. And eventually, when crowds return, there's going to be this reaction where Cameron Grimes is going to realise that this isn't me. And he's going to whip out. He's going to go, he's going to try and go to the... And then DiBiase is going to go, uh, 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 uh. no, 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 don't say that. Go to the moon. Stratospheric. Stratospheric. To the stratosphere. <laughs> and then all the while, the fans, when they're back, are going to be like, oh, God, just say it. Say the line, Cameron. <laughs> and eventually he's going to sock DiBiase in the jaw, go to the moon. And then you're going to get Cameron Grimes versus Ted DiBiase Jr. at um, NXT in your house, Royal Rumble 2022 weekend. That last bit's probably bollocks, but I'd love to see the other thing I've mapped out there. I couldn't say because I was just thinking, ah, oh, it's gone. <laughs> like Ben Roy Turner's listening, going, finally, yes. Uh, I love that. I think that's some fantastic booking. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Hamlet's right. I think they need some progression with this now. The whole, oh, it's good, but it's not, you know, quite million dollar man worthy. Has not outstayed its welcome, but I think it will do in in, in very short time if we don't have some switch some switch in this. And uh, yeah, taking him under his wing and then just ruining everything that everyone loves about Cameron Grimes is is so spot on, Sige. Oh. Jazzed for tonight now. Uh, let us know your thoughts ahead of NXT this evening uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, but for now, uh, this has been the NXT preview. Subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for the NXT review tomorrow, of course. My thanks to the Daddy Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.